0: Coming up on Garden Talk.
1: As soon as a root busts out and exposed to the air, it's getting uh, colonized by bacteria. So whether it's negative, bad bacteria like pythium, root rots, or it's positive bacteria like bacillus that are actually going to feed the plant, you've got to give some kind of place for those guys to grow. 60% cocoa. 20% perlite, 20% castings, and then I will put a little bit of rock dust in there, like that azomite or just glacial rock dust. There's very specific mycorrhizae that work for very specific plants, you know, so like you'll see ectomycorrhizae on some labels. Unless you're growing pine trees, ectomycorrhizae ain't gonna help you. I want people to have success. You can grow the biggest damn tree you want, but if it wilts on, you know, five days before harvest because you forgot to water it, guess what?
0: What's up everybody, if you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Grow It, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk Podcast. This is episode number 24. In this episode, I interview Scotty Reel from the Dude Grow Show. He has been gardening for 30 years, and he grows a variety of plants, such as bamboo, palm trees, medicinal, and hot peppers. I'm sure many of you know him from his show, the Dude Grow Show, which is on YouTube, and on podcast platforms. In this episode, he talks about growing in coca coir, specifically his style of growing a cocoa, and how he likes to keep things simple. Big thanks to all of you who support this podcast through Patreon. If you'd like to support, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash mrgrowit. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Dutch Pro is a sponsor of the podcast. Coupon code mrgrowit10dp will get you a discount on their products. They are a plant fertilizer company that has been around for over 30 years. They originated in Amsterdam and their nutrients are available in several countries across the world. They have everything needed for proper plant nutrition, from base nutrients to additives, and pH regulators. I will leave a link to Dutch Pro's Amazon store down in the description section below. And don't forget to use coupon code MRGROWIT10DP for a discount on their products. Thanks to Spider Farmer for sponsoring this podcast. They have board-style LED grow lights, bar-style LED grow lights, grow tents, inline fans, and carbon filters. They also have complete grow tank kits, which include lighting, a ventilation system, grow pots, a trellis net, a timer, and a monitor for both temperature and humidity. Coupon code MRGROWAT5 will get you a discount on their products, and I'll leave a link to their Amazon store down in the description section below. Alright, now let's get into the episode. And we are back. Welcome to the Garden Talk Podcast. Today, I am joined with Scotty Real from the Dude Grows Show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm
1: psyched, man. I'm really psyched to be here hanging out with another content creator. I I dig your style,
0: dude. I dig your style. Thanks, man. It's an honor to have you on here. I mean, you're somebody who I've looked up to. I mean, you guys have been around. I think I first started watching Dude Grows Show back in like 2014. I believe you guys started in 2013. So, and, And that was when you guys said audio only. Remember those days? Yeah, I ran into dude at a party, and
1: he says, "I'm starting my own Growers podcast." And then I was like, "No, I'm doing that." I saw Joe Rogan first. It was like the, you know, a couple couple months after Rogan came out, he's telling everybody to do it, and sure enough, it was so much fun. It was honestly, the dude and I with all this stuff was. I don't know, maybe it was in 2013. Everything's blowing up here in Colorado. And we're talking about it on the phone for an hour, hour and a half a night. And we're like, this is the show. <laughs> this is it right here. So we put mics in front of us, what Audacity. And it's funny. That was when like the, the early few hundred versions of that or shows of that is like us alone. Doing what we can with uh with you know with the computer, then uh, Sean showed up, Grow Guru showed up about three four hundred episodes in, and we actually got to where we could do video. You know, this actually it was a huge upgrade for us. But what a joy!
0: Yeah, the progression has been awesome over the years. Just to kind of see you guys get better and better, and the continuous improvement. And the show it is today is just – it's incredible. So um, definitely appreciate uh, you guys doing that for us in the community here because it's definitely entertaining and it brings a lot of education to the community as well. So thank you for that. I'll be right back
1: at you. I was i was hanging out last night. I watched Vader and the Painted Lady with you. I- Man, there's not that much great content to absorb, at least, not if you turn on the TV. So YouTube is that double-edged sword. You've got to watch yourself on there, but I'll be damned that there isn't a ton of great information to consume or just people to hang out with. The idea with our show is to have people to hang out with. Hopefully, you got some like-minded folks that are hanging out. Half the time, we're talking growing, and half the time, we're just talking culture. You know, having someone to hang
0: out with, whether you're in your grow or in the greenhouse or in your car. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So before we get to our topic today, we're going to talk about kind of the easiest way to grow, simplified growing. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into gardening? I got into gardening by uh, trying to make a better product. I
1: saw the, the medicine that, I, that was out there just it didn't even remind me of a plant. It reminded me of a product. And I thought to myself, how can I uh, – it comes with seeds – you know, how can I do a better job with this? How can I make better medicine for me and to share with my friends? It really is medicine to me. It always has been. So, uh, yeah, that brought me to a, a heck of a long journey. I started in 1991, basically learning, you know, going to the, the grocery store, buying a Hypenex, you know, potting mix, what you could find at Kmart or Walmart, whatever it was back then. And, uh, you know, literally just, just starting from scratch like that. And it took... Uh, it, it was actually a journey. I started with putting a uh, seed in, uh, you know, in some soil, and then I started getting enamored with the technology. Hey, there's, you know, is this, uh, is this, There's a machine that will grow this for you, and it'll grow these, you know, beautiful, beautiful quality flowers. And that, uh, you can't really treat flowers or something living like a machine. You know, it took me 20, 20 years to figure that out you know, that, uh, I would grow in deep water culture. I would grow in all these different, uh, unnatural systems that treated a plant like a machine and I would grow decent quality, but it just wouldn't, uh, it was just missing something. And, uh, yeah, when I learned how to treat, uh, plants like plants, like something living, you know, whether it's more like a pet than a machine, uh, I was really able to, to get better. That's when I really hit my stride of growing. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing it. What's it? Thirty years. Jesus. Thirty years, man. <laughs> it's a long time, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's been an evolution. I mean I um I was originally growing medicinal herbs, and then I kind of got enamored by, I went to, I bought my first house, and I went to go buy a, a privacy fence. And somebody says, you know what? If you actually put bamboo up, it's natural, and it's a natural privacy fence. And I was like, bamboo? Who the hell heard of that? You know, I heard of palm trees. I'm from South Florida. But uh, bamboo was a niche, and I ended up buying 20 acres, taking the very simple uh, lessons that I knew about growing from... Uh, you know, from growing medicinal herbs and bringing them into bamboo. And it was kind of funny. I really actually got my butt handed to me because I would go, like, first thing I wanted to do was put 20 acres on liquid feed. You know, just like we do. We go buy bottled nutrients. we were there. We're like, you're going to go broke, buddy. You know, what do you want? You know, a thousand liters of, of three containers of liquid feed. So very quickly, you kind of learn how, how things scale up and what works and what doesn't work in those situations. So it was a heck of an education,
0: man. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that about you. So let me ask you, uh, you know, a lot of people want different things out of growing, right? Like some people, I think a lot of people jump to the assumption that everything's about yield. Everybody just wants the biggest possible flowers. Uh, It's not really the case for everybody, though. I know some people that chase after taste, smell. There's some people I know I mentioned in a past podcast. uh, One of the things I strive for is efficiency, having an efficient grow. For you, what's the goal with growing? To get the harvest. (laughs)
1: I say that really, it's it's a tie between to get clean medicine for me and my friends to enjoy, but when I'm talking to other people about growing, even when I'm thinking about myself, it is to get to harvest. It is not that easy to... Uh, uh, provide your plants with a hundred, 110, 115 days worth of very consistent, uh, environment, food, watering, uh, IPM, all that stuff to go for, you know, th- you know, three months, three and a half months. It's not easy. I mean, if you're just hand watering and you miss, uh, what two days, you know, shit, I, I wasn't feeling so well a couple of days ago and I just didn't have the energy to get up and water my plants. And I was like, if I don't get up and water my plants, it's 11.50, you know, it's 11.35, my uh, lights go off at midnight, and I better go out there and water them, or they're going to all die, (laughs) you know? It's like, uh, it's not that easy to have 100, 120 days of success. So that is what I really tried, the whole growing simplified thing. I want people to have success. You can grow the biggest damn tree you want, but if it wilts on, you know, five days before harvest because you forgot to water it, guess what? You know, that really is the goal. Growing big plants and growing all that stuff is really a matter of strain. Now, what you pick, if you want to pick, I don't know, do they still make Big Bud? You know, or Blue Dream or Gorilla Glue, one of those giant ones. You can grow, you can pick what you want, Uh, but there's all sorts of things. Some people want to do that. Some people just want what I want, which is to share great medicine with our friends, our family, those in need. Uh, it's It happens here in Colorado, and it is a joy, and it is such a different experience than it is in commercial markets, I'll say.
0: That makes sense. All right, now let's get into indoor gardening and your style of keeping things easy. Let's start with the medium. What medium do you like to grow in when you're keeping things simple?
1: Excellent, and cocoa. I love telling people about cocoa. Uh, Cocoa core, first of all, it is, well, it's it's renewable. I was in Costa Rica recently, and I, it, it, between there and Florida, you'll never see so many coconuts. Coconut palm, very easy to grow. It doesn't take a ton of resources. grows the coconut, the world's biggest seed, first of all. I think that's a trip. But when you peel that thing, all that pith and all that stuff that comes off it is great growing media. I mean, if you think about it, that just came out of the earth. You know, that was just grown. Your growing media was just grown. <laughs> As opposed to peat, where I used to live, uh, uh, have a place in Florida. When I would drive by, there was a peat bog, and they would actually be mining the peat. They would actually have a bulldozer go in, and they were tearing out the earth that peat takes, I don't know, millions of years to become peat. And it kind of, if I got my choice of a year to get coconut husks, you know, out out of uh, uh, off a coconut, or you know, millions of years of peat that they're mining from the earth, I'd rather do the coconut. But that's just. That's just honestly, ethically, I guess, the performance is way better, man. Cocoa core holds moisture and air way better than peat does. Peat will compact, and it's really hard uh, to get a lot of air into peat, or at least you better aerate it well. As to where cocoa, you can take just cocoa with no aeration, no perlite, anything like that, and use it as a media, and it works awesome. And so it, uh, it holds a lot of air, but the best thing about it is even when you let it dry, It re-wets very easily. I don't know if you've ever used, I'm sure you've used peat for for the listeners. Peat is one of those things, if you screw up and let it get a little bit too dry as to where you can kind of see the, you know, it's pulled away from the side of the container. You are going to have a difficult time or it's going to take you a very long time of just dropping a tiny bit of water on there, letting it absorb until that peat re-wets. Something they call hydrophobic it becomes. I'm scared of water, man. It's just so much easier to re-wet cocoa. And uh, yeah, I, I love cocoa. When I first came to Colorado, I was thoroughly intimidated. I came here in 2009. Uh, it was the backpack days, and you really had to have your act together. And uh, when I came here, I looked for anything I could. I talked to my buddy Corey over at way to grow is uh, the owner there. I said, come on, give me any advantage I can. And he said, can of cocoa, can of A&B, and, B, and uh, 10-gallon smart pots pretty damn easy system and you pour equal parts a and b in there you know you test it to a thousand ppm you make sure your ph is okay you pour that water on there a couple times a week
0: and uh you get the harvest it's pretty damn cool (laughs) so you're using the bagged cocoa instead of the Bricked cocoa and then, and then hydrating or, or what?
1: Yeah, we can talk about that. I've tried all sorts of ways. I have definitely ordered the brick cocoa off Amazon. and been like, yeah, come on, let's see how cheap. I'm telling you, I want to see how inexpensive, simple we can make growing for people. So that somebody can say, Dude, I've got a balcony or I've got a porch and I've always wanted to grow something. I tell you what, this looks so damn easy. You know, you water it you know, for some of these bottom feeding buckets. You water them once a week or you water it every 10 days. I can leave it outside on my patio. I didn't know that. And I'll actually grow something that I can use. Uh, that's kind of what, it, that is the, the message that I want to put out there. You know, if I can get, if I can inspire someone, me and uh, my buddy Soup the Gardener, shout out to growerslove.com. He's a, a really smart guy, really great with organics. Uh, we want everyone to have a 2x2 two two tent, whether it's a 2x2, two two, a 4x4, four four, but to just have one plant, even if it's just two experience what it's like to care for a plant you know i don't know if it's as intense as caring for a dog or maybe similar to a cat i would say you know (laughs) but man to care for something like that it really does uh
0: it really does something to you absolutely now with the cocoa are you amending anything in it to begin or are you just taking it straight out of the bag and then putting into the container
1: you know, in the beginning, I was just taking it straight out of the bag or was relying on, it becomes really nutrient dependent, I think, when you do that. When I bought canna nutrients, I definitely bought canna cocoa. I do believe there's something, I'm not a chemist, I've never I've never even made it to chemistry class. But um, from a guru, Grow Guru is uh, uh, my co-host on the Do Grow Show. He's the guy that, that went to college for all this stuff. There are different buffering agents and co- uh, uh, cocoa has a bunch of potassium in it so they they buffer it and so it works with the nutrients that's why when you get a nutrient line they usually have a cocoa uh I, that's where i started with of course when you when you're baking a cake you start out with a recipe right and then you start saying hey let me put a little more sugar in it let me put some purple food color no i'm just kidding but uh yeah, you start with a recipe so after like i like cocoa it didn't remind me of soil though when i would look at it i, I Started learning about soil microbes. I started learning that nature fills a vacuum. So I would have problems. I tried all sorts of stuff deep water culture, straight up cocoa, which is, which is hydroponics. And what I would find is when I didn't have a real media in there, when I didn't have something that at least resembled soil, I left myself open to pathogens. I left myself open to pythium, just different root rots. I didn't even know what they were. I just know I'd show up one day and one of my plants was just dead, dead from the inside. You know, so I was just trying to figure that out. And what I learned was, like I said, nature fills a vacuum. If I cut my finger, and I sterilize, you know, sterilize the cut, and then I sterilize some soil. Like, I just bake it, bring, you know, bring it out of the, of the oven where it's baked and sterilize. If I stick my finger in there, my finger's not going to stay sterile. It's gonna, there's going to be infection, pathogens that come. Where do they come from? I don't know. Bacteria is everywhere. So, my point is, it's difficult, or it's impossible to keep something completely sterile. I mean, it takes a lot of, of, uh, equipment to do that you know it's like a scientific thing as soon as you bring things out as soon as a root you know busts out and exposed to the air it's getting uh, colonized by bacteria so whether it's negative bad bacteria like pythium root rots um, or it's positive bacteria like bacillus that are actually going to feed the plant uh, you've got to give some kind of place for those guys to grow you know those microbes those living soil microbes to grow uh, rock wool, pretty difficult. Rock wool is like spun stone, so it doesn't want to do it. You can maybe get mycorrhizae on there, but it really doesn't want to uh, colonize on rock wool. On the expanded cocoa, uh, the expanded pellets, the clay pellets, it's really difficult to grow you know, any kind of beneficial bacteria on there. So the only things that'll grow on there, or what loves to grow on there and colonize, is the bad stuff, the root-eating stuff, the pythium and the, and the rots and whatnot. So, I really started learning that the key to whatever you're growing is to add some kind to, to emulate soil, to add some kind of organic material to it. So for me, it was earthworm castings, earthworm castings loaded with microbes. It's either loaded with microbes, it's dead microbes, it's a home for microbes. And even when those microbes die, they just turn into soil organic matter, just just more organic. That's what you want. That's what soil makes is it, it makes organic matter. It breaks down. You know, leaf tissue and whatnot, and it takes that organic matter, but turns it into soil organic matter, food for the microbes, home for the microbes. Uh, so that that's what I learned. I started adding more and more castings in. I'm to about twenty percent castings uh, to about trying to think. I want to say it's about sixty-seven, about sixty. I don't really measure that hard, you know. I'm, I might forget as I'm I'm dumping the bucket, but about sixty percent castings, twenty percent perlite. Uh shoot, I'm forgetting something. I know I'll put a little bit of biochar in there. Hang on, I wrote this down. 60% cocoa, 20% perlite, 20% castings, and then I will put a little bit of rock dust in there, like that azomite or just glacial rock dust, and all that is. It's just a little bit of micronutrients in there that the plant can not access or the microbes can access. Uh, just a tiny bit of that works. You need literally parts per billion of some of, some of those things. Uh, and then one thing i've been playing with is biochar
0: you've been messing with biochar lately yeah i've had uh i've had my hands on biochar i mixed it in um, on a couple different grows i love that stuff
1: yeah i've been getting a shout out to biochar now which is a colorado company that actually makes a really good biochar you can kind of sometimes it looks like charcoal or you know something that came out of the bottom of the fire but these are beautiful little pelletized uh, activated biochar and What that does, it's just got a bunch of little holes, just like the carbon filters. (coughs) Excuse me. The carbon filters have a bunch of, they're very porous. The carbon is in there. So as the uh, odors go through it, they're captured. There's just a whole bunch of air in there. Well, all those air spaces can also be used as homes for microbes. So by just adding a little bit of biochar in there, A, it aerates, but B, it gives such a great, great home for microbes. So yeah that's that's kind of what i've been playing with lately and just been having great results man
0: awesome yeah i looked at one of you i watched one of your recent videos and uh man you grow some massive plants indoors i was looking at i don't know how tall you are but these plants were had to have been just as tall as you if not taller than you uh, well, i'm only four foot tall so i mean there i do <laughs> that just, no i'm just kidding <laughs> but you grow some big plants i was wondering what what size containers are those plants
1: in those are in five-gallon hempy buckets, and uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. The reason I grow uh, plants is just because of of how the laws work, and the reason I grow very large plants is, is how the laws work, you know? Um, I want to show people that you can take a two-by-two two or a two-by-four tent, and it's going to take you, you know, 100, 120 days, whatever it is, three, four months uh, to get through to that harvest, but that... That is, is a worthy investment that you can make that worth your while, that you can uh, create or make your own very clean medicinal or me- medicine uh, without going to a store, without, uh, you know, having to, you know, venture in the unknown. I mean, we're, we're talking medicine here. I mean, you can wink about it all you want. People might, you know, might make them feel good, but this is real medicine for people and especially for sick people. Uh, if they're inhaling, you know, so if somebody wanted to make sure that they got the harvest, so they sprayed Eagle 20 on there, which is a pesticide that's for ornamental use only, or they had spider mites and they didn't do the right thing, or, you know, didn't, you know, maybe they needed to colder their crop and they didn't, and they just sprayed some poison, a mitoclopridic sp- poison on it. None of those things have been tested for us to, A, eat. I mean, maybe they have been tested for us to eat, but they have not been tested for us to smoke, you know so that's a really uh, frightening thing and that's what makes me want to uh, want to control my own supply chain I guess you know and the supply chain for other people who I help.
0: Gotcha so five gallon hempy buckets we'll talk about the hempy buckets uh, in detail in a little bit uh, but I, I know you do start in the small solo cups and then you kind of uh, you must transplant up eventually into those containers. can you talk about your you know when you transplant? Yeah,
1: um, I have a kind of unique system. I'll try to I hope it's not too complicated. I'll try to share it. But it's a it's a 12 plant system. It basically has four stages. So the idea is to harvest three nice plants a month. I have a little six by 12. So it's something that I think people could accomplish with a, a couple tents or something like that. I have a two foot by, I'm sorry, I have a a six foot by two foot veg. So just a a length of the width of a closet and then two foot is my veg. And in there, I grow solo cups. I have a couple mothers. I actually use a shelving unit. And I grow a couple mothers on the bottom. Uh, I will propagate those into cups. You just into the cup and cup method. I'll let them grow for about, it's all predicated on a month. So I'll take the clone, let it grow in the cup for a month. Uh, Then I'll transplant that to a three-gallon, keep it in veg for another month. Then after that, I transplant it to a five-gallon, which is called a a hempy bucket or a sip bucket. It's basically a bottom-feeding bucket, just a little bit more forgiving with the water. I'll transplant it to a five-gallon, and I move it into flowering very shortly afterwards. The idea is every month, I'm harvesting three plants and moving three new plants into flowering. And it's uh, for a 6x12, it is a yielder. I mean, that that system will really push it. I keep on forgetting the original question.
0: It was transplant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Solo, and usually I try to do month interval Solo to a 3-gallon to a 5-gallon, out to flowering, uh, 60 days, and they're gone. and, And every month I'm continuing to do that, and it's a perpetual harvest.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. That's a pretty cool system that you got in place there. I'm trying,
1: man. I'm trying to do this to where I use slow release fertilizers where I incorporate just a simple slow release fertilizer in there. I mean, it is. E- I was going to say it's so easy that my friends could take care of it while I'm on vacation, but I guess it's not that easy.
0: What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. (laughs) and and that's what we're going to talk about next you know we talked about your mix your initial mix uh kind of getting going what containers to use transplanting now nutrients let's talk about what are you using for nutrients base nutrients additives microbial inoculants can you talk to us about that
1: yeah i mean i've been growing since 1991 so i've been through the mix and i don't know if a ton has changed uh, three part general hydroponics. I heard you and I think it was painted lady laughing about back in the day like that was that was the only option. You went to the grocery store, you got three part general hydroponics. It worked. It left you wide open for pathogens. It was the kind of thing that it wasn't kind of addressing the roots or any soil organic matter or that kind of stuff. It was basically either a rock wool, it was designed for a rock wool slab system or hydroponics, but it worked, you know, it worked. It was fairly no frills. Uh, but then I started going to a little bit more boutique stuff. I'll have tried. i I'll skip fast forward to when I went to uh, Colorado. Started doing a little bit more boutique stuff. I think that was the Canna A&B, which I think I would consider that a boutique brand, no?
0: Sure. Yes.
1: Yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's certainly not, uh, you know, bargain basement price. But went to that uh play, hung out there for a few years as far as a very simple system goes i mean they're by no means a sponsor or anything like that but just canna is clean product you put equal parts a and b in there you use to match it up with their cocoa and it's pretty easy to have success you know as long as you water them and have good watering practices which i don't know if you ever talk about that it's so damn easy to teach people how to water you pick the plant up when it's saturated, and then you go back and you water when it's about half that weight. I mean, I, I love being able to cause overwater and underwater, and that's those are things that keep people from getting the harvest, and then they end up throwing the equipment in the, uh, you know, in the closet, and there's their growing career down the tubes.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. I don't think I've heard it that way before. To to saturate it and then to what you say, let it go to halfway and then water. Yeah, it it's in. about
1: halfway. You know, you won't get in trouble. You can kind
0: of play with it there, but. Yeah, I mean that's a, a just a simple rule of thumb. I like to I like to talk to people about, and that's specifically in cocoa in your method, right? So, if soil you'd probably do something different, right? It's a rule of thumb, you know. It's meant to be. It, it put it
1: this way, it'll probably keep you keep you from grossly overwatering whatever you're growing. That is the biggest problem, I think, is people want to love things to death you know for me i would do you know i had the general hydroponics three part and then i would uh get root rot and i'd be like oh my gosh what can i do for that man i better go get some HydroGuard and put that on there i better go get this product and put it on man they're still not looking good let me put some more on more on man you're a moron for putting more on okay (laughs) you need to listen to the plant man the plant. you can't just keep It's like if i'm just so stuffed. I just got back from the buffet and I feel terrible. And I'm like, I feel terrible, guys. And you go, well, eat more. Here, here's a steak. (laughs) You know, it's not going to help, man. So actually, that's where it comes back to understanding plants are alive and understanding that they need balance. They need the right proportions of air, water, carbon dioxide in that air, which really is the macronutrient, Uh, but air, water, and just a little bit of nutrients. I mean, just, the, just they don't need, a, and when I say a little bit, you know, 1,800, 900 parts per million, but compared to how much uh, carbon it's taking in, it's not that much. You know, in air and water it's using, the nutrients are just a, a little a little bit there.
0: So are you following their feeding schedule for that, just doing like a reduced dose? And then at, are you doing any additives or just the, the base nutrients?
1: Uh, you know, this was a, a bit ago. I will tell you, I'm, I'm kind of, I forgot my last uh, year or so. I did want to get some content. So I was doing pretty good with, whether it was kind of A and B, that kind of stuff. I was doing pretty good with it commercially. No complaints. Was I going to win any competitions with it? No. And when I started talking, you know, started talking to really great growers, I was like, hey, man, how can I step it up a a bit more? And, you know, one guy, his name's Jaron from New Millennium. You should actually see if you can have him on the show. He's a wealth of knowledge. But he would come over and he would just show me that he was at the next level. And I asked him, he said, how do I get there? I actually ask a lot of growers when they show up and they're at that nine, 9 10 to where I'm just salivating. I'm like, what's going on there? What are you doing? And so Jaron gave me a unique answer. He says it's the nutrients he's got. New Millennium is quite a bit different than what I'm used to. I'm used to slow-release fertilizer that you, you know, incorporate in and kind of get a couple of additives from there uh, just just to kind of tweak it. His is, I want to say it's nine or ten bottles. There are some interesting things there, but you control the cow mag. You control, uh, you can add more P and K if you want. Uh, there's Fulvix. There's uh That winter frost product, which is an actually interesting thing. I actually, that's a good tip is winter frost. Even if you don't use new millennium, that product will make your uh, plants all finish. different strains finish at the same time. It's really valuable for someone like me that's doing perpetual harvest. Things got to be out of there in a month. Um, So I was playing with that, but for me i'm I'm not trying to i had to make a decision am i really trying to uh, grow top-notch you know 10 flower that's going to win competitions and going to have people beat my door down no i'm really not i don't have a lot of ego in it i just want good medicine i want people to grow good medicine you know, that that they can enjoy that their friends can enjoy the more the better the more people that enjoy good medicine the better this world is going to be so it doesn't have to be 9 or 10. You can grow a plant that's a 6 or a 7, and that's and that's great you know, for you and your friends. It's great for me. Uh, it's great for the world, man. So, yeah, I was just thinking that uh, it's a little bit complicated for me. It was 9 bottles, man. So I went back to just my uh, uh, slow-release fertilizer, controlled-release fertilizers.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And then one of the products, which I assume is in your garden, is something I got right here. So uh, Recharge. These are microbes and you are the owner of this company right can you talk to us a little bit about recharge and kind of how you incorporate in your garden
1: yeah absolutely it brings such a smile to my face that product does that was something i i formulated with uh uh, i was in the bamboo and learning at the bamboo nursery there's 20 i have 20 acres tens of thousands of plants and the fertilizer costs on there are unbelievable i mean you're talking you know six digits in fertilizer to to keep everything really pumping out of there a year and I started hearing about red tide I'm from Florida red tide the fish were dying it has a lot to do with the sugar corporations releasing their fertilizer into the oceans and it made me not I'm a farmer I have 20 acres I am spending a hundred plus thousand dollars on fertilizer every year I am part of that problem. So I started figuring out I don't have the organic, I've got like 2% organic matter in my soil. There's no way that I could, have a, could do what I do uh, just using organics. It would take me 20 years to build that soil and there's no way I could have, have production on it like that. So I'm kind of locked in, I'm in sand. So with my bamboo nursery, I'm locked into uh, using synthetic nutrients. So if I'm locked into that, at least let me keep them in my field. At least let me keep them at the root zone. And that's where I really started studying first you know the first microbe that everybody learns about or that I learned about was mycorrhizae which is that uh, that funny sounding word it's essentially a root fungus though and I don't have anything but gross uh, analogies but if you get a fungus on your fingernail and your fingernail grows does the fungus just magically go away no it keeps on you know keeps on growing on the fingernail as it grows Well, that's a a pathogenic fungus. Now let's talk about a beneficial fungus. Let's talk about something that mycorrhizae is a fungus that's actually a coating. I think of a bare wire, and I think of how dangerous a bare wire is. And then I think about a coating, if you just put a a coating on that wire. And that's what it does, it coats the roots, except it's like a fuzzy coating. And all the, the mycorrhizae has this fuzz, it has these root hairs that come out. And that's where the nutrient is absorbed. And the nutrient is absorbed on those root hairs. So not only do you create much massive thousands of thousand times more absorption points for the nutrient but you've also increased the whole surface area of that root so it's huge man so finding the only thing is that mycorrhizae like glomus and erratus there's very specific mycorrhizae that work for very specific uh, uh, plants you know so like you'll see uh, ectomycorrhizae on some labels unless you're growing pine trees ectomycorrhizae ain't going to help you you can see six 60 different species of mycorrhizae if you're growing you know specific plants you know specific medicinal plants you need iteratices. that's the one that that forms that bond so there is a lot of a lot of fluff on a lot of labels and whatnot but that's the one you want to look for uh, what I really learned about what keeps the uh, nutrient in the soil though is the bacteria another gross analogy that I got I don't know I, I need, I need someone to clean up my analogies but when you wake up in the morning you got stuff stuck on your teeth. That's bacteria stuck on your teeth. You can't just wash them out with water. You can't just take a glass of water and be like, all right, I'm all good. I'm ready to go to, to, to my day. You, you'll have a lot of bacteria still stuck on your breath. You have to brush them off. You have to actually take something, you know, a, a brush and, you know, with some toothpaste, some, you know, aggregate and brush those things off because that's the glomule and the bacteria make this glomule and they stick. So they stick to your teeth. Guess what else the bacteria will stick to? Roots, soil particles, uh, specifically in the soil, if you've got these sticky bacteria, uh, you, things can get absorbed, which, you know, it goes inside, or adsorbed, which it just sticks. Adsorbed just a, a D instead of a B, and it means it just sticks to the outside of you instead of being on, on the inside of you. These bacteria get these... Uh, Uh, these nutrient particles, even these synthetic nutrient particles, they stick to them. Even if they die in the soil, whether they move to the root zone or they just die in the soil, these basically it's like a a sink. It's like your soil is the battery. My buddy Soup the Gardener invented that. Your soil is the battery. And the the more nutrient you can hold in it, whether it's through, uh, usually through bacteria is the way you, uh, or soil organic matter is the way you're going to hold it. But the, the stronger your soil is, you know, the more nutrient dense your soil is. And uh, I also, the last analogy I got is if you're thinking, think about cocoa core or something like that, or you're thinking about uh, whatever soil, it's when we use these synthetic nutrients, they're salts, right? They're, that's what they are. The, the hydro ionic form of nutrients, whether it's uh, general hydroponics or any of the brands, they're all salt based. Uh, When you go to the beach and you have salt all over you and you wash off on those showers, it's completely the opposite experience of brushing your teeth, right? You don't have to brush stuff off. All you got to do is let that water touch you. The salt runs right off. That's why it's so easy to leach soils. That's why when you deal with soils without microbes, they tell you to water till 10% runoff and all that stuff because they're trying to just very easily. All it takes 10% extra water to wash all those salts out. And where are they going? You know, they go down the drain. If you're in a commercial you know, facility, 20 acres or whatever it is, they go down and they become somebody else's problem. And if you're buying those for $30, 40 $50 a gallon, why not keep them in the root zone and keep them where the plants can use them?
0: That makes sense for sure. Yeah, a lot of good information there. There's some, definitely some things I didn't know. So definitely appreciate you dropping those knowledge bombs there for us. Uh, but Recharge, great product. I am, uh, I've am. i been using this since 2016 in my garden. Off and on, um, I need to use, you know, if I use the same thing over and over again in my videos, my people just get bored. So I've been using this kind of off and on in videos. This is something that I really get a lot of value out of in my garden. I mean, it has everything from beneficials, uh, you know, bacteria, mycorrhizae, kelp, molasses, Humic and fulvic acids, and even amino acids. So it's really loaded with a bunch of good stuff in there. Definitely recommend it for sure.
1: Man, you mind if I say something about that? Go ahead, sure. Okay. See, I even asked before I started again. When I got into the industry, everything was separate. There were separate bottles, you know, for A and B and Fulvic and Humic. I remember when, I hope it's, it's okay to say this, no, no begrudging to anyone that comes in marketing products, but when Advanced Nutrients came in, there was 30 bottles, I want to say. Maybe it was 20 bottles and it was, everything was priced 30, $40. I don't even think it was a gallon. She was expensive. And I just started thinking to myself, this, Starting to smell bullshit here, man. I have a 20-acre bamboo nursery and not even the world. I know some world-class growers of some very hard-to-grow ornamentals. Nobody's using 20 bottles. So I just started thinking about it, and I said, well, what can you combine? You know, I started, can you combine mycorrhizae with bacteria? Yeah, you actually can. Uh, Can you, instead of growing them uh, on whatever, on clay, can you grow them on kelp? Yeah, yeah, you actually can, man. Can you provide a food for them, a molasses? Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, you know, it was all these extra things. Okay, hey, well, amino acids, if we add, add an amino acid uh, K-complex in there, will it, will it uh, affect anything or will it give us any beneficial uh, results? Yeah, it actually will. We test it and it will. All these things to be able to... You know, make a product that actually adds some value, that actually separates you from going and buying uh, four or five different bottles. It was kind of my homage to making this industry a little bit more honest, man, a little bit more, you know, following what growers do in commercial grow settings. It did bother me, man. When they separate, I don't know, when it's humic and you're buying that for $40 a bottle and then fulvic you're buying for $40 a bottle. And they don't bother telling you that Fulvic is just a lighter fraction of humic. It's, uh, you know, it's. I don't like when, when people promote ignorance for, for profit. That's what I'm hoping we can change in this industry.
0: And by the way, it is changing. It absolutely is. Yeah, I've seen it as well. It definitely is changing for the better. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple other things when growing in cocoa. So some folks, they'll monitor the pH... Uh, PPM or EC. Are you monitoring those values? And if so, what do you aim for
1: when I use liquid nutrients? I do, uh, right now I'm using these, it's fairly new for me. I'm taking, uh, some of the lessons I've used over at the bamboo nursery, which is uh, liquid feed for dessert. And then your steak and potatoes just comes from a, uh, for me, it's a controlled release granular, but, um, uh when i'm doing liquid feed pretty easy rule of thumb uh just in containers about a thousand ppm when i'm doing a bottom feeding or a hempy bucket that they're sitting in that nutrient water so i'll go down to seven to eight hundred ppm down there because they're constantly just being bathed in it uh but yeah uh ppm pretty easy i have one of those blue lab truncheon meters it's easy enough to measure ppm if you're doing liquid feed I'll say ph a little bit more of a pain in the butt uh do you have a ph meter sir
0: oh yeah of course
1: it was blue lab with the, the i have one where it's which one you got i got the uh appara. Okay, I'm going to have to take a look at it. I had, for years and years, I'd have these blue lab meters. And they're like laboratory equipment. I'm sitting there in my grow, and this is legit laboratory equipment. There's calibration solution that you have to put in there. There's storage solution. There's all this stuff that made it a pain in the butt. And a guy like me was buying new probes every six months. $150 probe I'm buying because the water ran out in mine or whatever. You know, the solution ran out. So I have been able to get away from that, thankfully. Thankfully, when I started learning about microbes and started using recharge, I kind of noticed that the plants were less sensitive to pH. And I started using my pH meter less and less. And then I was just like, hey, everything's going fine. If there's a problem, I'll pull it out. And what I learned was that microbes, remember they're lining the roots and they're buffering the nutrient in the soil. So they can absorb or adsorb nutrients at a much wider range of pHs than uh, just the roots. The roots, those bare roots, was it like a five, five to six, eight pH range. And there's, there's nutrient specific nutrients that are absorbed as those pHs fluctuate a little bit. So it was uh, really a joy for me to be able to throw out the pH pen. I'll say that and granted you need to know what you're starting with everybody uh, you know I make it sound too easy throw out your pH pen and use microbes if you're starting with water that's nine or you're starting with water that's super acidic of course you need to address that but for us in here in the over here in the Rockies man it's some great water here so it comes in about neutral right about seven and uh yeah I'm able to just Actually, the new millennium nutrients that I'm using, and I think you were talking about this painted lady. There's something they they get, the nutrient guys got it down to where when you mix it to a thousand ppm, usually your pH is is pretty stable, or at least it's formulated for you know somewhere around neutral. So I don't use a pH pen anymore. I let the microbes you know kind of be the fudge factor, buffer them for me, and I've had good results. And it has been that's been a challenge for me is to look people in the face and say man, you don't have to use your pH pen anymore. (laughs) Yeah, they're both. Yeah, both. I don't know about that, Scotty,
0: but it's true. Yeah, I've used Blue Planet Nutrients, and then a mixture on that comes out to be uh, 5.8 pH, and that's what I like for cocoa. So that it was kind of hands-off, really didn't have to use a a pH pen at all when growing in cocoa, specifically because my water came in at whatever it was. But when I added the nutrients, it would drop it down to 5.8 pH. It's just the perfect. And I would just do 5.8 pH going in every time and just completely ignore the the runoff pH. And that worked great for me. So um, yeah, it it can definitely be simplified on that avenue for sure. Hey, talk
1: about that, real the runoff pH. People always talk about uh, collecting your runoff and testing the parts per million and pH on it. Um, that can be, particularly with parts per million, that can be very deceiving. You know, it's like we talked about the shower washing the salt right off you. I mean, if you're, you, I've had runoff before where the plants are just because I hadn't uh, uh, water till runoff for a while. where They're off the chart, you know, it's over, over 2,000 ppm, but the plants are still looking good. And it's just, it really is, a, that's a deceptive one, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can get into real deep on this, right? So it's not going to really, the nutrients aren't going to show up unless they're in an ionic form, right? So uh, if people are putting in top dressing nutrients, for example, those aren't in a ionic form just yet, the microbes have to break it down. So Some people will get a runoff number and they'll realize it's way higher than what they put in Well, there's nutrients in there that are breaking down in the meantime. And then there's folks that are out there. They're like, Oh, I have a 2000 PPM or 2,500 PPM, but my plants look fine. Or I need to flush. Um, well, how big is your plant? How big is that root system? Right? I mean, cause you're, you're measuring the runoff, but if you have a real small plant, in there with a small root system that hasn't reached everything, well then you, you probably are going to be fine. So yeah, I totally get what you mean by it can be deceiving. I know the runoff PPM values, I kind of just get a, get a guesstimate of what could be in your medium. Uh, and there are general ranges that people can follow um, to kind of help ensure that they're not overfeeding or underfeeding. So you can break it down to kind of like a, a beginner to simplify things. But yeah, you certainly can go outside of those ranges. And genetics are going to be able to take it. Some will be Uh, be able to take higher than other, you know what I mean? So there's, there's a lot to do with that. But um, as far as pH, um, you know, checking the runoff of that, again, it gives you a general idea of the pH in the medium. You could do a runoff test or you could do a slurry test. Some people will take off some of the top layer of soil, put it into a a cup or something, add in some distilled water, let it sit there for however long, and then take a test that way. Um, So there's two different ways to kind of, to measure it, but it's really just to give you a general idea of what's in the medium you know what i mean to make sure you're in those proper ranges because i think you and i both know if your ph is off it inhibits uh, some of the nutrients from being uptaken right if it's too low it inhibits some nutrients too high it inhibits some nutrients so so yeah that's why i was just kind of curious on your avenue if you did monitor the ph or ppm ec in any value in any way i mean um so it's interesting to hear how you go about it
1: yeah, i've gotten quite lazy about the ph maybe i just have you know i've been here for 12 years now as far as in this town i'm familiar with the water and uh Yeah, I'm just able to dial it in, I guess. But I I don't use a pH meter anymore. And I will say for, I've been growing since 1991. I definitely wasn't growing to the point where I had $300 to sink in a pH meter for a long time. I would use those little, you can get them. It's like a little $5 pH test kit. It's got the little bottle of of droppers and you drop a couple drops in there and it gives you essentially just a color. Whether it's red for super acid, almost blue for uh, super basic. Believe it or not, if you're on a budget, you can certainly test your pH and get it within, you know, a half of a point, a quarter of a point within, uh, you know, with something really simple like that. So, like I said, I'm trying to make gardening really accessible to anyone. You know, under a hundred bucks, you should be able to put together a little system for your balcony anyhow.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You can definitely get away with those um, those small test kits. I actually have the same thing for my pool, my swimming pool. I use that to test the pH and make sure that's balanced. The same, same stuff is being done there
1: i'm from florida (laughs) i definitely managed my family's pool for uh since i was eight
0: years old (laughs) it's fun it can be fun but anyways let's get back on topic of uh hempy buckets i know you wanted to talk about those can you talk about uh can you like explain in detail of what hempy buckets are and how you grow in them it's just super simple
1: concept i learned about it I think there is a guy named Tempe, <laughs> at least there was, and it's just a sip bucket. I don't know if you ever go when you go to Walmart or Home Depot, most of the buckets, they don't, they have like a little, they have like a little lip on the bottom that you can actually water there. And then the idea, you water from the bottom, there's maybe a couple inch reservoir that holds that water, and then it slowly wicks up and it uses capillary action of the soil to wick up and feed the roots. And it always uh, keeps those roots at an even, once you, once you dial it in, keeps those roots at an even moisture. It's the perfect moisture. I'll dig down into a empty bucket. I'll grab some soil that's in there or some cocoa. I'll squeeze it. And just a little bit of water will come out. It's just that perfect moisture. And like I said, plants need air. They need air for those roots to breathe, for those microbes to live. Uh, they need water and they need nutrients. So uh yeah giving them giving them plenty of air is uh definitely definitely a big deal definitely cool um a hempy bucket is just so we'll say this is the size of a container right here we'll say it's a normal container you just go two inches up two inches up and you just put a little hole in there you can use a drill if you don't have a drill you can use a damn steak knife don't sue me but you are just basically taking. i take a five gallon bucket and just one of those Home Depot buckets, if you find a black one from the, the grocery store, it's better just because it, uh, you know, it protects the roots a little bit. You don't want light getting to your roots. But two inches up, you just drill a little hole in there, maybe a, I don't know, a 3 inch hole. The idea is you're going to fill right to the hole. Two inches, you're going to fill it with perlite. Just the, I like the chunky perlite, but just perlite, right to two inches and then you just fill the rest with soil. That's the simple hempy bucket. I use cocoa, modified cocoa. And then the idea is you just water it until water comes out that little hole. Basically what that means when you water it till until water comes out that little hole, you've filled up that little two inch layer of perlite on the bottom. You've given yourself a little two inch reservoir. You go, you know, you go back, and uh, your soil is perfectly moist until that reservoir goes, and then you just go to water it again. It maybe gives you an extra couple days or something, but the most important thing is it keeps that uh, the soil evenly moist. Almost, it, it, it doesn't take very long for it to balance out. And it's just such a simple way to grow. Just that five-gallon bucket. It gives you a little. You can go away for the weekend, and uh, it just affords you, <clears throat> it affords you a little bit of extra extra time between waterings. And it keeps that soil at a nice, evenly moist level, which is really important when you don't know and you're trying maybe overwatering, underwatering. It's, it's pretty cool.
0: That is pretty cool. I remember reading about hempy buckets way back when I first yep. started in like yep. 2010ish. Um, I think I've seen people doing 100% perlite in theirs. Have you done 100% perlite or you just do the, the bottom bit perlite and then above that cocoa?
1: Uh, I just do the cocoa. I have been experimenting. Honestly, it's pretty cool. We actually started this thing. My my newest project is called 420 Grow Lab. Uh, it's an open source challenge, basically to the growers community. Uh, we've got a, a great community called the DGC that hangs out and uh, shares all their grow tips with us. But it, just an open source project to come up with the simplest system for growing good quality medicine. And it's it's you know the goal is to just uh, I put my basic hempy system up there, and everybody's coming up with mods we it's so much of my emails busting open you know it's uh, overloading my email so we're making this site, but the idea is that you can spend, whether it's, you know, you go buy one of those monster garden kits or five or $600 for kind of everything you need to get started, but just to be able to go, or whether you go to your, hopefully go to your local grow store and support them and spend a few hundred bucks, get, you know, a two by four a light and a fan, you spend what, seven, 800 bucks and you're able to start growing. I mean, that's, that's the idea behind it. So I have the simple hempy bucket system. There's all sorts of mods. There's uh, folks that are cutting 55 gallon drums out and instead of using uh, uh, perlite as a media, uh, they're using... Geez, one guy's using sand, shout out to, to Ray with the hempy buckets, man, he's using sand as a wick. And then uh, there's a difference in a hempy bucket between what you use in the bottom and then what you use as far as the cocoa media, you know, the the media up top. So. The wick is, really seems to be with cocoa, where a lot of the innovation is coming, whether you're using perlite, whether you're using sand. There's all sorts of people trying to expanded clay balls. But people are kind of playing with that. Uh, the best media up top, though, is cocoa, as far as I'm concerned, some kind of amended cocoa.
0: That's cool. Sounds like it makes things a lot easier. i have to try out hempy buckets sometime in the future. I think that would be really fun, you know, do something new. Plants
1: haven't been growing in perlite for millions of years you know billions of years they've been growing in soil right yep yeah so the symbiotic relationships you know the relationship like i said if you think about what perlite is we like it because it lets so much air in when we talk about bacteria you know bacteria is it's it finds a way you know nature fills a vacuum like we said so um you're leaving those roots with a lot of of you know, uh, places to get pathogens from the air. So it's, it's a bit more dangerous than if you're surrounding them a with a mycorrhizae coating, but still we put cocoa in there and then we put a bunch of organic material to at least simulate soil with the castings.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good point. It's a really good point. All right, Scotty. So kind of wrapping things up, we've covered a lot of easy things to do when growing in cocoa in particular, a lot of good information here. How can the listeners find you and what do you have upcoming in the future?
1: Dude Grows, Dude Grows Show. If you like hearing me run my mouth, which uh, I'm sorry, I feel like I ran my mouth a little too much today, but I like I love your show. I listen to it all the time. I watch it, and uh, I was just really excited to be here, man. Thank you so much for that. I, I really do appreciate the offer, sir. DudeGrows.com, real easy way to find me. Uh, RealGrowers.com is where I sell Recharge, but uh, uh, better to just type Recharge or yell Real Growers Recharge into your phone if you want to learn anything about that. And I will tell you, I'm kind of psyched. Me and uh, my buddy Banner over here are, uh, we are. We have this goal of simplifying growing. I got Banner growing. I traded him for a website about five, six years ago. Got him started growing. And it's so much fun to see the evolution of him into a great grower. It's like I want to spread that. That's what the Dude Grow show is about. Uh, and that's what hopefully I do in this 420 Grow Lab, 420growlab.com. But it, like I said, it's just an open source project to make the simplest growing system we can. We're going to crowdsource it. Uh, we're going to share these mods. Like I said, I'm going to put up a, uh, a my basic system and let people mod it from there. I'm actually actively working on some mods right now. So uh, that's actually what got me mostly excited right now.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. That's really exciting. So I will leave a link to Scotty's channel down in the description section below. If you enjoyed this video, click that like button. Try to get as many likes as possible. That's going to help get more people to view this video or show up in recommended Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. I think we're about to hit 100, or we just passed 100 ratings and reviews. So thank you to everyone who have left a rating and review on there. Um, share it. Sharing is caring. Um, good places you can share it is Reddit, uh, Facebook groups. There's a lot of different places that you can share this, and thank you to everyone who shares this podcast. Scotty, thank you once again for coming on to this podcast. It has really been an honor. Um, you're an inspirational person in this field. So thank you so much for coming on and, and spreading the knowledge about what you do when keeping it simple, growing a cocoa. So thank you once again.
1: Uh, this is, it is such a joy to do this and to be able to connect with everybody, You know, connect with the community, keep some people company in the grow, have an impact, maybe have some folks learn a couple things. Uh, it is an absolute joy.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Peace.